This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The Clarets have two tough games away at Wigan and at home to Millwall. And we preview the West Brom away game this Friday evening. This is the No Name Never podcast. Good evening and welcome to the No Name Never podcast. You're in for a treat this week. It's a bumper edition uh, where we'll do a quick analysis of uh, the Wigan game at the weekend and an in-depth analysis of last night's victory against Millwall at the turf. Also, in this edition, we will do the standard preview show, looking ahead to the crunch game at the Hawthorns where we play West Brom live on Sky Sports this Friday evening at 8pm. Joining me this evening are regular um, Dave Roberts and Newby uh, making a second appearance, I believe, she might correct me, uh, on the analysis show. It's Charlotte. How are you doing, guys? Start with you, Dave. How are you feeling? Very well, very th- well thank you. It's, it's uh, not long since we last spoke, Adam. <laughs> I know, coming thick and fast, this championship, isn't it? Uh, it's hard to keep up. All fun and games so far, though. Um, welcome, Charlotte. How are you this evening? Well, it's hard not to be buzzing after the last few results we've had, isn't it? So definitely feeling the the hype at the moment and I'm ready for the next game. Excellent. Yeah, let's get uh, stuck into it then because there's plenty to cover tonight. Um, starting off with uh, with Wigan at the weekend, um, what were your thoughts after after that result, Charlotte? Well, it, it were coming, weren't it? We, we'd all been saying it. We said it, it's about time. When it all slots together, we're going to going to get our comeuppance, we're going to batter somebody and it would definitely come in and what's not to love about it, eh? What's not to love? People are, are trying to, you know, see both sides, they're a bit negative about the penalty, whatever, I don't care anymore. You know, five goals, what's not to love about it? It'll get us celebrating, seeing some of the lads absolutely absolutely buzzing as well. It's so great to see them when they're celebrating. I was, yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I, uh, I was helping my parents move out this weekend, so I was very busy and, um, I had a quick look at my phone halfway through and we were two 0 up. I was like, oh, great. And as I was looking at my phone, it went to 2-1. And I thought, that's it. I'm not looking for the rest of the game. I can't can't be doing it. It's going to be a repeat of Blackpool. I'm not feeling it. And I looked at it and it matched and saw, it, saw the result there and I, I couldn't believe my eyes, honestly. I'd, I thought, what if I missed here? I was meant to be going and I ended up not going. And uh, yeah, I was absolutely gutted I didn't go, but buzzing about the result. 
Yeah, it's one of them, and you'd overall you'd definitely rather have the five-one win. But um, if there's a chance to go, you want to be there for those sort of games. Um, as Charlotte just mentioned there, Dave, um, it must have been playing well. It must have been playing on the fans and the players' mind, having gone ahead uh, two goals ahead against Blackpool, and then thrown it away and, and ended up with a disappointing draw, going two 0 up and then conceding a silly goal and facing a lot of pressure. Um, what were you thinking at that point? Well, yeah, the was Burnley had a really good start, got two goals up, and then Wigan did have a spell in the game. They had a spell about 15 minutes, well, 10, 15 minutes before half-time. They obviously got the goal. And then also they started off the second half really well. They had a really good chance to equalise not long before uh, Burnley got the third goal. So it could have been very different if that had gone in. But we weathered the storm this time, unlike against Blackpool, where... Uh, we did let them back into the game and uh, we didn't do that at Wigan and we, we we pushed on and were confident in the second half. We just had that dicey spell just either side of half-time and there will be times in games like that. You can't, even when you're playing really well, you can't dominate games for a full 90 minutes so we have to keep the concentration and make sure that when we do get into the lead, which we, we weren't doing other than obviously scoring against Huddersfield in the other games we'd, uh, other than Blackpool, we'd gone behind, hadn't we? So we're having to come back I think now, if we get the lead, we need to be a little bit more savvy about that. And I think we did that uh, really well, jumping forwards. Like when we yeah. will talk about the Millwall game, we did do that. But um, across the season, that's the thing we're going to have to be wary of, I think. Yeah, I think it's important that um, it didn't become a theme because the more it happens, obviously, the more it is in the players' minds. Um, did I'm assuming you've seen the goals, uh, Charlotte, from Wigan. Um, what did you make of the third goal? Um, Brownhill playing teller through, and to every, a lot of people in the stadium, and then obviously the replays have shown he was offside. Um, it, I don't know if you want to go into whether you like VAR, don't like VAR, but obviously it benefited on that occasion, and obviously that was a really big moment in the game. Uh, what did you make of that third goal? Yeah, well, like we said, if we're being technical about it, we're offside, weren't it? But we've been on the the wrong end of that decision plenty of times over the years really haven't we even when VAR were there we've been on the wrong end really um I am absolutely loving not having VAR this season I think not only is it that you get them cheeky decisions every now and then but at the same time the fact that you just have a quick glance at liner make sure flag's not up and go absolutely mental and you're not waiting for five minutes thinking have I just been proper elated for no reason I, I really don't miss it I don't miss it in the game at all I know there'll be sometimes over the season where it doesn't work in our favour that we don't have VAR, where if we do, maybe we would have got more calls and whatever, and it worked both ways. But I think just for that pure goal and the whole being able to celebrate properly, I'm glad it's not. I'm glad it's not in the championship at all. If it if it worked perfectly every time, it'd be great, but it, it doesn't. And I think sometimes it shows even more room for bias and sometimes I don't know how they're not embarrassed by the decisions that they make when it is so clear on the screen as well that they're wrong um, but yeah human error it plays part of the game and it's a part of the game I, I grow to love it'll work against us definitely but um, I'll take that on, on Saturday where it worked in our favour for, for sure Yeah uh, definitely I 100% agree with, with the goal celebrations I'd, I'd kind of forgotten like it would been two years with VAR in the Premier League and and it has just been a joy to just just actually celebrate goals like that. What's um what's your opinion on on that, Dave? 
Um, I'm in full agreement. Yeah, I think when VAR came in, I thought it was a good thing. Obviously, we had the goal line technology prior to that. I think that works really well. That is more um, black and white in terms of it's definitely that decision, whereas there is still too much umming and ahhing about the decisions on the VAR and they take three or four minutes to decide on it for marginal decisions. And even then, there isn't the consensus view that that was the right decision. So for me, the way it's worked, I, I agree with everything that Charlotte said on that, basically, um, in that if they could get even 90% of decisions right via VAR, you'd kind of take the tolerance the other way. But it's it's not even that. I think there are so many instances where it's not working. And then on the flip side for that, you do have the game being not the game it was in terms of the the, the people there in the ground being able to uh, to enjoy the goals in the same way. So I think it's been a a breath of fresh air back in the Championship without it. And I shan't miss it for the rest of this season. No, uh, me too. I think another another thing is just I kind of agree with you there. And, and I think they, they are trying to get to the right decision, but the, the fan experience is uh, terrible. It's not even as if they're communicating it well after they've made the decision. Uh, fans just don't know what's going on anyway. Before we really go down a rabbit hole, because I could probably talk about this all all evening. Um, is there anything else you want to add from the Wigan game? Obviously, we killed the game off when it opened up. Really positive signs of things like things to come. Positive performances off the bench, which we'll probably mention against Millwall as well. But different players. Um, what are you making about the the five sub rule so far, Charlotte? And do you think that's benefiting us more now than it would have done in the Premier League? Definitely, we've got more range on the bench now, haven't we? We've got more people to bring off who are going to make an impact on the game. A five sub rule in the Premier League weren't going to work for us, really. It'd work in everyone's benefit apart from our own, and they'd be bringing these massive players off the bench, and it'd we'd be knackered on the pitch. But you can see, I think it will work for us this season. Um, it's one of them things, isn't it? I think a lot of the I was very much why they're bringing five subs on. You know, why is that going to be a thing that when we first started? I thought it's always always been free for a reason you know but I can see it definitely working in our benefit from now on especially like we're going to be making subs sooner you can see that type of thing you can see the way it's affecting our game play and it will it will be more beneficial with our style of play now it wouldn't have suited our style of play last season and that's fine but it certainly will suit us much better now yeah come uh, completely agree there um anything else to add from uh, from Wigan Dave um, well, Charlotte mentioned about uh, one penalty. I think there the possibly could have been two, couldn't there? Because there was the one where um, uh, Johan Berg-Gudmundsen was brought down. I assume that was the one that was being referred to. But it was also the incident, wasn't there, when uh, uh, Tendai Dariqua um, got injured? He managed to injure himself, but uh, that could have been a penalty as well. So if we're being uh, harsh on that, we, we could have possibly had two penalties. But again, VAR wasn't involved. They were probably weren't going to be given, but... Uh, yeah, we, we we took our chances well. We were clinical with the chances we got on the day. The score perhaps uh, uh, flattered us slightly. Uh, a couple of late goals as well. But yeah, five goals away from home, you're never going to complain about that. No, and um, talk about substitutes' impact. Um, obviously, Bastian came off the bench and got a goal and, and an assist. Um, there weren't many of them under the previous regime, were there? I think we went a good, good year, year and a half without a substitute scoring or assistant for us. Um, so long may that continue and um, then we we marched on to the turf everyone feeling uh, confident on Tuesday night 
Um, how were you feeling before the game, Charlotte? Like we said, we all had a, a bit of a bit of confidence there, didn't we? Again, I I'm very nervous when it comes to football. I'm sure you've all picked up on that by now. Um, it's not very good for my health at all. But um, I I like to be um a little bit more composed about it, not get carried away um, until I start walking on the turf and then I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to win every game, you know, going to win league, you know, there's no problems there. But um, you definitely, it's nice. I, I've missed the feeling of walking onto a football match and thinking, you know what, we might actually do all right. Because <laughs> we didn't really in the last season, did we? we? We definitely struggled. You were walking on and thinking, what what's this going to be at the end here? But walking on and thinking, we've got a team that are wanting to play you know, the football style that we're seeing at the moment, we can get some good goals in here. We've proven we can score multiple goals, even if we have conceded a couple as well. And it is an exciting win. It is. It does get you feeling more excited for the game, I feel. And uh, yeah, definitely nervous, always nervous. And I don't think that'll, even if we go on a massive winning run, I don't think that'll ever, ever stop. And um but definitely excited as well getting on there and I've I've missed it as well I've missed getting on the on, t- on the turf over the summer and things and I like a an evening game I think it brings a whole different type of vibe to it um and I think I thought it was fantastic last night I thought that the ground were fantastic the support were fantastic we have spells are, are going quiet but everywhere does but I thought overall it were it were a good atmosphere it were a good thing to be involved in and three points is the the best way to top it off yeah, so I just forgot one thing from um, from the Wigan game. If uh, if you want more reaction from um, from the guys on the No Name Ever team, uh, they, we posted some um, post match videos. Uh, I think well, Robbie, myself, Rich, Tom, and a drunken George all uh, all put the thoughts on uh, on Twitter on Saturday night. So go and check that out. Uh, You'd never do that, would you, Adam? Absolutely not. <laughs> Oh God! Last season, I'm trying to trying to keep uh, keep my nose clean this season. Anyway, um, you had a bit of a different experience at the turf last night, Dave. Do you want to do you want to tell everyone about that? Uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to to win the uh, a, a competition to win a, a, a couple of tickets. So yeah, I was in the uh, long side hospitality and in the uh, in the padded seats. I'm not, not used to watching the games so so low down. I'm usually further back, so it was a a slightly different experience from that point of view, but yeah, fantastic game and uh, Burnley did really well. Yeah, it's all has it all been done up in in there now? I've seen a few like new pitches and stuff. Is it uh, like everyone yeah. knows what the old long side looked like inside with all the partitions and stuff? But um, was it as good as uh, as the investment suggests it should be? Yeah, I'd been in before, so I went. They had the um, anniversary dinner for uh, the '91, '92 team. It was the 30th anniversary of them winning the fourth division, and there was a, a dinner there. A couple of hundred people there that night. Uh, they've changed it now. Whereas it used to be like the full length of the room that they could kind of half off with the screens. Now it's just like one room, and rather the bar being at one end at, at the side, the bars at one end. So it's a, a bit more um, uh, open from that point of view. Then the other end, there's kind of boxes and player uh, boxes down the other end of the uh, of the stand so it's uh, it's all been done up it's fantastic food as usual in there chris gibbs and his team do uh, do really well but yeah it was a, a different experience but uh, a good night all around excellent um and obviously we started the game on the front foot um what did you make of the first first half charlotte and the way obviously burnley approached it but also the way millwall approached it um, and how are you feeling, obviously, when we got to half-time and we weren't, well, we, it was the same old story at home, three draws from three, 
that obviously playing on playing on my mind anyway. I don't know if you were playing other fans' mind. You really want that first home win. Would were you positive at half time? What what did you make of the first half? The first half was very much the story of our season so far, wasn't it? We were we were trying to press, we were trying to pass the ball about and we just weren't getting that end product. It was very similar to what we've been seeing from from us earlier on in the season from the other games. And I think it was a very much a patience game. I know you touched a little bit on um what do I think of the Mill way Millwall approached it? Well, I think I spoke to Natalie a couple of podcasts ago about um, the physicality of other teams and how we're going to have to be prepared for that. And I said, I don't begrudge them it. And I still don't begrudge them a physicality. But I think there's a difference between being a physical team and being a team that looked like they were just blatantly being nasty at some points. There were there were some challenges where I thought that that's not on. And I'm surprised they still had 10 men by half time, 11 men by half time, sorry. Because um, some of it was, I thought it, it's just, it's a nasty challenge, you know, and like I said, I don't begrudge your physicality. It's how we got through it, you know, how we played a lot of our Premier League football. We're a very physical side. We weren't afraid of putting a challenge in, but I found that a lot of what they were putting in last night was quite nasty on that way. But I thought we, we handled it well. I know in the previous games when we faced the physical teams, we've turned a, a couple of players have almost seemed a little bit worried about it. We're taking a step back, but we didn't seem to do that last night. I was... By half time, you know, it, it's only halfway through the game. We're not we're not a goal down. I'm still feeling the same way as I do at the beginning of the match, really. I see that they're playing good football, they're playing passing football, it, they, they're doing well. They just need to get that on product. And after seeing the way they, they played against, they were managed to get the goals against Wigan, I, I wasn't doubting anymore that they could get that on product. And obviously they came out in the second half and, and they did. Um, and they got some good goals from it and they were... There were some good goals as well. So, um, yeah, at half-time, very much the same feeling as nervous, same feeling as when I'm going on at, at, at the first whistle. But um, I, weren't too, I weren't too worried about it. If it would have been maybe the week before, before that Wigan game, then I would have been like, this is the same old story. You know, we're, we're not going to come away from what come away from this with what we want. But after seeing them score them goals at Wigan and the fact that, you know, there's been so much talk about a striker, well, these goals are coming from everywhere now, aren't they? And the fact that we do have those players that we can either that are on the that are starting or we can take off the bench that are going to make an impact it just gives you a bit more confidence for definite yeah there's a there's a fine line in there with the physicality i think um so i always keep harping on under dice we were always very physical but also had one of the best disciplinary records mm. in every single season so i think we did it in a way that wasn't like dirty and and that first half was there were some nasty little challenges uh, what did you make of the refereeing in that first half Dave obviously three yellow cards only one minute of added time which baffled me a bit but um, and, and what in general are you making of the refereeing so far this season um, indifferent I think there's um, well it's perhaps to be expected to some degrees if, you, if you've got the supposedly uh, cream of the referees there there in the uh, in the Premier League then the likelihood is that the the quality isn't going to be as good, same as the quality of football isn't going to be as good in the uh, in the championship. I thought the referee we had on the opening day was uh, was very good. We didn't really notice him. That's really what you want. Um, I thought that the whereas you do want referees to let the game flow, you don't want them to be uh, unduly lenient. And I thought that the referee on uh, Tuesday against Millwall was very lenient in the first half. He let a lot go. Whereas perhaps if he'd Cracked down a little bit earlier, then we might have had a better game for it in the first half. 
Um, he could have uh, he, he could have got his card out a lot sooner than he did. Um, I guess he'll say that you know he doesn't want to. He wants to keep it eleven v eleven. He doesn't want to send any players off. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned about the uh, the added time as well. You know, there was so much time wasting going on for about the first five minutes, and the referee goes like that, taps his wrist to say, you know, I'm adding this time on, and then at the end of the half, there's one minute. It's like, well, you clearly aren't adding that time on. There should have been probably at least three minutes at the end of the first half. And there uh, and there wasn't, but uh, yeah, in, in the end, it didn't cost us, and uh, I guess that's the main thing. Yeah, um, I thought it was quite interesting when the board went up. Company just glanced up at it, and then it was Bellamy who came onto the side and gave fourth official an absolute ear bashing about it. So, coaching team. Um, do you think we were? What did you think of the chances in the first half? Obviously, the keeper did make a couple of saves from uh, JBG free kick. Um, and then the follow-up from Taylor. Uh, do you think we deserve to be ahead at half-time? I'll stay with you, Dave. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the the, the ch- big chance in the game, the, probably the rebound from uh, Charlie Taylor was the, the biggest chance of the first half, although obviously there was the free kick as well. The other opportunities were more from distance, so you're probably less likely to expect goals from those. But um, I think you would have hoped that we would have got a goal in that first half. We couldn't quite do it. Uh, but we did show the um, we were showing patience all the way through, really. And um, as Charlotte mentioned already, the the crowd was sort of on board with that. There wasn't any uh, uh, unrest really. Um, the crowd stayed with it and and got their just rewards. Yeah, um, and I think it was a really good point as well um, that you made, Charlotte, about um, keeping the calm um, and not being affected by um, by that approach. They did seem in control. Um, the whole way through, we've seen Benson at um, Watford obviously lose his way a bit after getting a couple of challenges. We saw Matson lose his head and um, and yeah get sent off stupidly against Blackpool. Um, I think yeah, it's really important that they do do keep their heads. Um, moving on into the second half, and it were um, more in the same for the more of the same for the first fifteen minutes. When um, were you happy with the changes um, that were made? Um, when they did come on, obviously, um, Benson coming on for JBG having the biggest impact. Um, and again, talking about options off the bench, what did you make of Benson when he came on? Yeah, I, I thought it was very much similar to when he made his debut and he came on and he made an impact. And he seemed to be um, a player that were raring to go. He was very forward. I think I referenced before, he looked, it looked like he had Velcro on his boots, it was very similar. Uh, last night and it was nice to see because after that knockback at Watford I thought if this is what he's going to be like when we're facing such physical teams then it's going to have a negative impact on the way we're able to play but it, it was nice to see that even after the challenges that he obviously saw in the first half that he came out and he, he, he didn't seem drawn back by it and obviously he made it a, a huge impact there for us it's it's so we're so lucky now to have so many options to bring in and I think Obviously, we'll touch a little bit on the on deadline day and things, but the fact we've had such a fantastic uh, window this this season, it's been it's been brilliant, and I think a couple people are wishing for a couple more, and it would be absolutely fantastic. But just to have them extra options, um, in all areas, I think we want, and that's why people are looking maybe they're wishing for a striker, they're wishing for a centre back, that type of thing, just to have them extra options because we've seen how well it's worked in other areas on the pitch just to have someone else to bring in and, and make a difference. And you could see if it's 
if it's very similar in the first half where we're just struggling to break them down just in that last third and then you can bring someone else on who's going to make that difference if we have that all over the pitch if we have someone to cover every area all over the pitch where they could come on and make an impact well you can be unstoppable then can't you and I thought he were fantastic again and I, I was singing his praises on the first show and then I thought oh, yeah, he didn't have a decent game afterwards oh I've got to come boom I didn't stand now but no he definitely uh, he definitely made up for it uh, last night for sure and uh, it were it were a pleasure to see him back to what we saw when he first appeared yeah um, and on to the first goal obviously Benson heavily involved with across the far post and Vitinho there uh, to tap in great ball Um what did you make of it, Dave? Yeah, well, I think Benson made a, a, a big impact when he came on, did seem to change the game, open it up a little bit, give them a lot to think of down that uh, right-hand side. And it was, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was him that got the ball across and uh, perhaps a surprise for, for the goal scorer, Vitinho getting the uh, goal at the far post. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely coming and uh, Burnley deserved it when it uh, arrived. And I think once that first goal went in, it was um, you couldn't really see Millwall getting back into the game. They'd kind of come with the uh, the game plan of getting a, a point or a nil-nil draw, um, and they'd have been happy with that, I think. But the fact that we went in front, they were they were never going to get back into the game after that. The way the game was going, you couldn't really see them uh, them getting back into it. Yeah, uh, and that um, and then on to uh, the second goal. I didn't realise how many passes were in the build-up until I saw that tweet today. 25 passes, all 11 players, and obviously finished by J-Rod. How can, how, can, uh, how can you argue with that, Charlotte? I know it's it shows a patience thing, doesn't it? We've been I've seen people getting a lot of stick on the socials on Twitter about harping on about you know patience you've got to be you've got to be patient with them and when they're passing it back when they're passing it around and I thought well they've got the rewards from it from that goal because I didn't I didn't I was sat there and I didn't realize how many passes were in the lead up to it until until I watched it like you said and I think a lot of people have been uh, talking about the Hendrick goal that was very similar and the amount of passes in the build up to that and it was very very a similar type of thing and I thought it's so nice to see the hard work the passing the possession paying off in that way and I, I love J-Rod I, I, every time he scores I think it's absolutely fantastic and I think if he can stay fit this season he's going to have an absolutely fantastic season and it's going to be brilliant to see as well because he's had it coming for a long time and you know he's a, he's a homegrown lad as we say he's always a huge part of our town our team and uh, it was fantastic to see him get yet another goal especially after it was came from that possession you know the fans were giving Seemed like the fans were giving the team a bit of a stick the week the weekend before, you know, with regards to maybe passing backwards or sideways or or not hoofing it up long as some people say. And it was nice to for them just to turn around to us almost and say, Be quiet, be patient, it's coming and we'll give you a goal on end of it, which is what they did. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. I, w- I know it's still early days, Dave, but can you feel that progression already with the style of play and the sharpness and and the fans as well getting used to it and becoming like more on side with it. I was just going to go back slightly to the, to the uh, comparison made with uh, Jeff Hendrick because I was um, I was at Goodison Park for that Jeff Hendrick goal and I was I was doing the commentary with uh, with Phil Bird for it and I didn't realise for that goal how many passes there were prior to the goal and I was doing the commentary for it so it's it, it, it can kind of you can lose track of it within a a, a game and I, the same applied even being there on uh, on this Tuesday with regard to 
to J-Rod's goal. But it, it was a patient build-up. And I think we, we have that in our locker now. That's the way we play. Um, and it will take time for, for fans to, um, well, for, for a, a larger proportion of fans to uh, to get used to that. It's, it's going to be difficult after uh, uh, after what's gone before. It's always, it always takes time to adapt. It takes time for the players to adapt. It also takes time for the fans to adapt as well. But um, that is the way we play. And uh, yeah, that, that's what we're capable of doing at the end of it. Yeah, what, uh, obviously we had a couple of um, injuries um, where Teller went off. I think company said after the game it was cramp, but Murich went off with a shoulder injury. Um, what have you made of Murich so far, Charlotte? And um, and how big of a blow would it be if he is missing for a few games? I think everyone knows how I feel about that fella. I love him. I said before, I absolutely love him. And it was so, we were talking about how the fans' opinion is changing. It was quite evident last night with how we, the fans tend to react to, to Murich the, the weekend before. They were they were almost taunting him, you know, as he was knocking it about from the back. Obviously, it, it did, didn't work in our favour a couple of times, which will happen over the season. But they were almost taunting him. And I thought, it's, no, that's not the way we are. We're there to support him. But last night, you could see that as he got on the pitch, there was more, they were chanting for him. They were going with his name. And if you, he was actually physically enjoying it. You could see it. He was like, put a fist pump in, in the air and stuff as they were doing it while they were playing. And I thought, his ball to Teller for one of them were fantastic. Teller got a boot like a pillow that lad because I have no idea how he can keep that first touchdown like that. But I thought, yeah, he was fantastic. I love him. I It felt like a blow when he went off and I, I guess we'll have to wait and see how long he's going to be out for. From what I gather, he's not going to be at West Brom, but hopefully he'll be back in contention for next week, um, which we're all hoping for because although I thought Peacock Farrell when he came on, he might not have had loads to do, but he did make a couple of good saves and he managed the game well, you know. We were on about time wasting earlier on in the game for Millwall and I think Peacock Farrell did lie on the ball a couple of times for, for a few extra seconds, but it's all about game management. But now we've got used to Murich's style of play and the team have got used to Murich's style of play. We don't want to take a step back. It always, I always feel for goalkeepers when they have to come on as a sub because it's a, such a vital place and they don't get subbed on that often and it, it you know, I was hoping for a uh, when like, like Tom Eaton got injured and Nick Pope came on and were fantastic. I was like, it's all right, Peacock Farrell's going to be the same. And you know what? He didn't make any mistakes and he made a couple of good saves and he managed the game well. But I wouldn't, I think because we're so used to Murich's style now, it, it will be a setback when he's not starting for us um, on, on fr- Friday. Yeah, on Friday. And hopefully he'll be back in the team sooner rather than later. Because I just, I love his presence. If you watch him during the game as well, when he's not even on the ball, the interaction that he has with, um, the other players that, that anyone's close to the back or even fans sometimes like you think are you paying attention to the game because you turn around talking to these but it's quite a nice interaction to see and I think we haven't seen much of him you know any type of interviews that type of thing but I think as we as we do we'll see that he's actually a really likeable fella and he's, he's, he's hard to miss anyway he's the big all the green the whole way through it looks like a onesie big fella in the middle of the net and yeah I love him it gives me the nerves still can't watch any time we might concede um, I don't watch any goals we do concede and I will stay that way forever as much as anyone tries to change me um, I have to watch them back but no I, I thoroughly enjoy his style of play from now on and I think he'll do wonders for the season as long as this injury is nothing too too drastic for him So who were you man of the match from uh, last night's game Dave or the game against Millwall? Um, 
there were quite a few contenders in there. I think um, the sponsors' man of the match was uh, Josh Cullen. That was I, I thought he had a quieter game, but he, you know, there, there's plenty of players you could have picked out. Uh, Jay Rodriguez would be a good shout. Jack Cork didn't do anything spectacular, but just seemed to control the game. Um, I'd, I'd have been tempted to actually go for Jack Cork. I, I don't think maybe there'd be that many agreeing with me, but I think it, just the way he controlled the game. He stood out to me, so that would have been uh, been my choice, I think. And what about you, Charlotte? I agree. There were so many that you could have given it to last night. I thought they were fantastic. I thought as a team they were fantastic, and there were some brilliant individual performances as well. But I think I'd go with, with uh, Nathan Telebebe just because I thought – some of the football we were playing last night, like I said about his touches and things, he, he has complete control over the game when he has that ball and I think he's such a fantastic signing. If any, you know, Southampton people are listening, he's rubbish, you don't want him, um, just sell him as soon as possible to us. But, you know, other than that, I, I thought, yeah, definitely Nathan Teller for me last night. Yeah, uh, for me, like you said, it could be could be a few, but um, J-Rod just gets better and better this, this season. You can really see him... Um, Getting stronger every game, more confident. I think he he linked the play really, really well last night. Um, but yeah, and we're getting consistent performers already. Like uh, you mentioned, Cullen Cork, Howard Bellis, uh, Taylor's doing really well uh, in that adapted position. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's hope they can keep it going. And talking about keeping it going, we'll now look ahead to our next match, uh, which I already mentioned is away at West Brom on uh, Friday evening. But um, as we always start the preview show, we'll look back on the quiz question, um, which I haven't got right in front of me, Dave. So do you just want to read out the question and the answer for our... And did any of our listeners get it correct? Uh, yeah, the question we left our listeners with uh, the, in the previous episode was, what was unusual about Burnley's home game against Millwall in the Championship in September 2022? Oh, sorry, sorry, two thousand and two. We're going going back twenty years to the game from uh, from two thousand and two. Yeah, um, and I didn't have a clue with this one. Um, did any of our uh, listeners get it correct? Uh, yeah, we had two. We had a couple of our uh, quiz regulars, uh, Jan Gesileski and also Tim Holden, got the correct answer, which was uh, that there were no away fans, no Millwall fans, were allowed into Turf Moor for the game. They'd had some uh, trouble the previous season. They decided to ban uh, arbitrarily six sets of away fans from down there, um, and Burnley decided to play uh, retaliation and say, well, if our fans aren't allowed down there, then yours aren't allowed here. So... Uh, for that game in September 2002, the no away fans. And I do remember um, we didn't have any away fans in the cricket field stand at that point. I mean, going back in time, there were. Um, but they allowed people to get tickets in there. Or if you were in other parts of the ground, you could switch and go into the cricket field stand. And I, I did switch. I uh, I went in there for that game. I think it finished 2-2, if I remember right. Mm. Um, and on to Friday, we make our trip to the Hawthorns. They've had a bit of a hit and miss start to the season, like um, like quite a lot of teams, typical championship. Um, have you got any memories of games against West Brom at the Hawthorns, Charlotte? No, not for me. I've, not, I've never been. Um, never been down there. Uh, and I'm not going on Friday either, with it being a Friday night game. And it's pretty difficult to to get down when uh, I'm working, I think, until about six o'clock. So uh, pretty difficult to get down. And uh, hopefully, you know, um, 
at some point I'll be able to to go down. But unfortunately, I've not I've never been down to the Hawthorns. It's one that I'll have to try and tick off my list at some point. Yeah, I've I've been a couple of times, and like it's a bit of a theme when I've come on the show. We've not not really done very well. Um, don't want any spoilers, but I I don't think I've seen us win um, at the Hawthorns. Um, how is our how is our championship head to head, Dave? Well, just just before we do that, I, I've seen us win there because we uh, we won when Ashley Barnes scored that uh, spectacular course, goal. Didn't I we? wasn't there then. Again, that was we, we, we haven't won many times down there, so I, I've I've been to a couple. I've seen us lose and I've seen us uh, win, so that was uh, that was all right. I have had a victory there, but yes, going back to the uh, championship head to head, Burnley have faced West Bromwich Albion in sixty five previous league seasons. Uh, that's a total only matched by one other opponent. And that's Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, and as Wolves are still playing Premier League football this season, West Brom will become our most common league opponents. A stat which might surprise some people, although regular no-name-never listeners may be less surprised, as this was the topic of one of our quiz questions uh, last season. Uh, in terms of the splits between levels, uh, we spent 47 seasons together with the baggies in the top flight, uh, 17 in the second tier before this season, and just one in the third tier. Uh, we're focusing on the second tier meetings, and as this Friday's match is away from home, we're going to look at those 17 previous meetings at the Hawthorns. Uh, both clubs were founder members of the Football League, and so there'd already been several first division meetings before our paths crossed in the second division in the, uh, the 1901-1902 season. Uh, by this time, our hosts were already playing at the Hawthorns. Uh, that's the highest league ground in England. Uh, following a move from their Stony Lane ground in 1900. Uh, ten of our second-tier away trips to the Hawthorns were prior to the Second World War and produced three Burnley wins. Remarkably, the first of those was in 1905 on exactly the same date as this season's meeting, 2nd of September. Uh, goals from Bernard Murphy and Doug McFarlane enabled Burnley, who played in green in those days, to come from behind to win 2-1. Uh, on the 2nd of October 1909, Burnley beat top of the table Albion by the same scoreline, 2-1. And the third uh, pre-war win was also 2-1 in February 1939, which was also Burnley's first away win of that season. Uh, we've had seven second-tier trips to the Hawthorns since World War II, but none of them have produced a Burnley win, with the Clarets drawing two and losing five of those matches. Uh, that's not to say the Hawthorns isn't a happy place for us, as we've had several times we've won in the 1960s in the top flight, and more recently uh, that game I mentioned in uh, in 2018. Uh, in total, out of Burnley's 17 previous second-tier away games against West Brom, we've won three, drawn four, and lost ten. Oh dear, <laughs> that's uh, that's not very good. <laughs> Um, hopefully we can um, improve on that record uh, come Friday night. Uh, well, we got our first win at Wigan ever, which I, I didn't know was uh, mm. a record before that. So hopefully this is a season of firsts and we can put down a marker. Um, I think the next uh, next feature is played for both. Um, have you got any um, any names that stick out from uh, players that have played for West Brom and Burnley, Charlotte? Yeah, I've got a couple after I've had a look at it. Obviously, uh, mine are, are more of the... The, the newer players. So uh, my one of my favourite all-time players has got to be Beast. 
So I seen that he'd play for both. I didn't have a clue. But um, yeah, as I said earlier, he's definitely one of the standout players. The next one on the list was one of my one of my all-time favourite players, um, Charlie Austin. <laughs> you know, I absolutely loved him when he played for us. I have a cat named after him and everything. I have no shame in admitting that either. So I was quite happy to see his name on the list. There's a few, obviously, more recent. I think, uh, like we said, J-Rod's on there, um, Chris Wood as well. Um, some of the more recent players that uh, a lot of us all recognise those names. Um, I love it when I look through and I, there's names, a lot of names that I recognise on there. Uh, sometimes I don't always, um, but I love seeing a few that I recognise. And we've we've shared some good players with them and some players that have had key impacts on, on our team and our season as well. Um but they were the ones that definitely um, stood out for me and and J-Rod for, for certain with him being in the team now um, stands out. And I think he's definite talking point, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, the, what what gets me the last couple of times, like a lot of the players have been like within the time I've been watching Burnley. I don't know. I think I might be just getting a bit old. Um, what, what were the names that stood out uh, to you, Dave? I don't know if you want to give a summary of, uh, of the list. Uh, well, it's quite a lot to go through. There's 26 in total, so I won't list them all. Um, other ones that uh, that stand out, Richard Chaplow um, is in there. Uh, Brian Jensen's already been mentioned. Uh, there's actually five goalkeepers. that We've mentioned Beast, uh, but there's also Paul Crichton, uh, Andy Marriott, Gavin Ward, and also Anders Lindegaard. He only played a couple of games for us, and he never actually played a league game for West Brom, but he did play uh, a cup game for them, I think. Um, other ones on there, uh, Frank Sinclair, James O'Connor, and Matty Vidra, uh, Chris Wood. There's a, a lot of players in there. We'll we'll try and put the uh, list out when we uh, when we tweet it out. But there are uh, uh, a, a lot of players in there who've played for for both clubs. Quite a few uh, connections going back. Yeah, I think um, yeah, the goalkeepers for me, um, Crichton um, and and Jensen. Obviously played a big big part in uh in us getting promoted through the leagues um over the last couple of decades. So uh yeah, some really interesting names in there. Moving on to the memory match. Uh what have you got for us this week, Dave? Uh well, yeah, memory match. In the absence of any recent second tier wins at the Hawthorne, we did mention there'd been uh, seven times we've played there in second tier games. Uh, since World War II. Uh, so we're going to go back and remind our listeners of the last time we visited West Bromwich Albion at this level. Uh, that was in the 2007-2008 season uh, and a match which involved a couple of players from our play for both section. Uh, the match took place in early February 2008, uh, which you will recall was in the early months of Owen Coyle's time at Turf Moor. Uh, he'd been appointed as manager the previous November and was starting to get a team together ahead of our highly successful promotion season of 2008-9. Uh, Burnley took an early lead in this match in just the third minute, when Robbie Blake's free kick into the box was headed down by David Unsworth to former baggy James O'Connor to poke the ball home for the opener. Uh, in the 26th minute, uh, boss Jan Cesar got on the end of a corner and volleyed in an equaliser past another former baggy. We mentioned him already, uh, Brian Jensen, who was playing in the Burnley goal, and it remained 1-1 until half-time. Uh, however, the next goal also went to the home side uh, when Roman Bednar got on the end of a left-wing cross to finish with a towering header to make it 2-1. Uh, the home side were also awarded a penalty in the 68th minute after John Harley fouled Robert Corrin, 
Uh, Corrin took the spot kick himself, uh, but it was saved by the beast. He had a habit of saving penalties, you may remember. Um, and he also watched the rebound go wide of his left-hand post. Uh, the score remained 2-1 to the home side. And as we mentioned earlier, this was the seventh time we've met at this level since 1945 without a victory. Uh, although we have won once uh, more recently in the top flight, which was that game in 2018 we mentioned earlier. Um, it's sure to be another tough game in front of the TV cameras this Friday evening. Right, on to the referee, Dave. Who's in charge on Friday night? Uh, well, he hadn't refereed a Burnley match prior to this season, but James Linnington from Newport on the Isle of Wight, who took charge of our season opener at Huddersfield Town. We uh, touched on that earlier on in the show. Uh, he's back for a second bite of the cherry at the Hawthorns this Friday evening. Um, I don't think the Clarets fans had too many issues with his performance in that game, and we were all too busy getting accustomed to Burnley's new brand of possession football to notice much about the man in the middle which, if you think about it, is the way it should be if they're doing their job well. Uh, since then, he's shown one red card in the six matches he's refereed. I think he's been uh, fourth official for three and refereed six. Uh, and the man he sent off was Sunderland's Dan Neal. That was for a professional foul in their match against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. Uh, and there didn't seem to be too many complaints about the decision from the Sunderland fans. So let's hope he has a, another good game on uh, on Friday evening. Yeah, let's hope so. There, there was the Ashley Barnes penalty, were there? But overall, yeah, he did have a um, a very good game at Huddersfield. So hopefully, we'll have a repeat this Friday. Um, now on on to Friday's game. Um, would you make any changes to the starting eleven, Charlotte? If if everyone's fit, obviously there's the potential injury of Murich. But other than that, um, would you freshen things up or stick with the same? Yeah, I don't believe in changing a, a winning team. Like we said, obviously, Murich may be a forced change. Peacock Farrell may come in um, for him there, uh, which might, again, we don't. We haven't seen much of him, really. He's played uh, some cup games, that type of thing. We haven't seen much of him otherwise. So it would be interesting to see what type of difference he'll make and whether we'll have to change our play or, or whether he'll just pick up straight away the, the possession football we're playing, whether he'll also favour um, the playing out from the back, that type of thing. So whether that'll force a couple of changes, we don't know. Um, I think, is it right that Matson would be, would be back? Has he done his three games now? Can't quite remember. I, I thought maybe he had. <laughs> is the one know. left? No, is even if it wasn't, I think he'd have to be fighting for his his place. Um, even if he was available, I don't see how he should be walking back into the team at the moment. Uh, there's a few people that might disagree with me there, but I don't. I don't really agree with changing a, a winning way. I think the the team that started in a winning game, there was no reason that I had no complaints of any of them. Um, the subs that came on were impact subs, and that's what they were. And th if you then decide to start them, you might not have that same impact. Um and I think if we change our winning way and it and it and it goes goes wrong, then there's we know what to to blame. We the blame game then, isn't it? Whereas if we stick to what we know and we've it's not going the right way, we've got all the options on the bench like we've spoken about, we can change it up there. Um, but other than the obvious possible goalkeeper change and I'm hoping that like company said tellers is just a just a bit of cramp and it's nothing that's going to impact um any games going forward really. Other than that I think we stick with stick with what we've been doing. Would you uh stick with the same team if possible, Dave? Um, I was quite surprised we did on Tuesday. I, I thought with the games coming thick and fast and having um, uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, that um, uh, Vincent Company might have taken the opportunity to make a couple of changes 
he has players who were well. We saw them introduced from the the bench and the impact they could make. Um, I thought he might have used more of the squad uh, for that, but maybe he's thinking more along the lines of I've got a side that's played really well and settled. I want to do that if I possibly can. So I don't know. It it, it will probably come down more to the injuries. I think maybe um, well possibly Teller might even if he is fully fit might be uh, given a, a, a role from the bench, but he's what a player to bring on for the bench. We saw what he was capable on Tuesday night. And uh, yeah, if, w- w- whether he's starting or, or coming off the bench is uh, more than capable of changing the game for us. I think what I found interesting as well was the subs that came on on Saturday at Wigan. So Bastian and Cherlinov, um didn't come on on Tuesday, even though they came on and both did well, didn't come on on Tuesday. So it's like, He's using the full squad, but obviously that starting eleven did stay the same. I think the obvious one um, for me would be uh, your uh, JBG uh, Gunmanson. Um, obviously, he's played three lots of games now. You know, wait three lots of sixty minutes, obviously, but still, that's more than he's played in a long time. So, whether you mentioned the other day, whether they'll be careful with him, um, so I'm surprised if they made that change. But yeah. Um, like we said the other day, um, one or two changes. Um, I don't think could do too much harm. We've got we've got the options. Um, what do you think represents a positive result on Friday, Charlotte? A win's a positive result in any case, isn't it? I think um, I, the way we've been at the moment, um, the fact that we're coming off two wins, you you go in and you want another. Um, you don't want to lose that kind of. Uh, hype that we've already built um, I'm always a believer in a point to point so I think anything's better than losing isn't it but I think we want to keep up that dominant display you can see how much it's doing for the players um, when, they're, when they're on and off the pitch when you see them on social media afterwards the stuff they're sharing they, they're really buying into it and it helps the fans buy into it a lot and I think it does so much confidence level to to have these good goals um, obviously we don't want to get too carried away you know it's the championship anything can happen as we've, as we've seen it's not a, not a smooth sailing all the time is it you have shocking results where you should have you should have won you, you shouldn't have won whichever way but um definitely hoping to to go in with the three points just to continue on the high that we are at the moment um i i, I think i saw something on twitter before about the fact that Charlie Taylor has never scored a, a goal for Burnley, and I was like wishing, wishing for him on a, on Tuesday, and then he nearly did, and I thought, oh, here we go. Um, so my absolute optimal outcome would be a win, and Charlie Taylor getting his first Burnley goal because now I know that he doesn't have one. I feel really bad, and I really want him to have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, what about you, Dad? It's really good point. I think in the Championship, if you can string that run of wins together, you really do. Uh, fly up that table, which has shown after only a couple of wins, we're up to third. Um, do you think it is important that we we carry on that run, or do you think a point away from home is is still a good result at a place like West Brom? Um, it is amazing how things can change this stage of the season. I think uh, prior to the Wigan game, we were something like sixteenth uh, in the table uh, going into the game, and then two wins later, we're up to third. So it's um, and I know some teams haven't uh, uh, played when uh, last night, uh, but the, the the way it is, it, it can change so much, and it is very early days in there. And you see teams. I think Forest last season were were way down after well, even after fifteen twenty games, weren't they? And then came on a a real run. So yeah, momentum is good if you can get it. If you can get uh, the points on the board early on, 
uh, a, a draw isn't a bad result um, away from home ever. Um, and I think that um, we wouldn't be too disappointed if we came away with a uh, with a draw on on Friday. And that will be my prediction if I was going to predict. I normally get uh, castigated by uh, by Natalie for for sitting on the fence and giving a, a one one prediction where I don't think we're going to win. Uh, I think a, a, an honest uh, assessment is it will be a, a one one draw. Obviously, I hope we win, um, but my, it's heart and head, isn't it? I think maybe. Uh, Heads thinking it might be a draw, so one one's going to be my prediction for uh, for this Friday. Yeah, we're going to go on to predictions next. Who's who's getting the goal? Um, J Rod for another. I think he's on a roll. Yeah, on his way to uh, George Poole's fifteen predicted goals for the season. Well, on his way. Um, what's your prediction for Friday, Charlotte? Well, we're on about heart and head. I'm going with the, with my heart. I'm going with 2-0 win. Um, even if we're on a point of going away from home, whatever, we'll have a win, thanks. I'll have a 2-0. I want Charlie Taylor to get one of them. And then I love Josh Brownhill, so I'll go on another screamer from him, um, especially after the window's closed and no one else is looking in for him there. Um, if his name's on the sheet, then it's always good, isn't it? If he's not gone. Um, so, no, I'm going with my heart. I'm going for all three points, two goals, and uh, those two lads to shine for me. Nice one. I think I'll uh, I'll go with you, Charlotte, and uh, be in Natalie's camp this week and be optimistic and uh, go for. I can't go for a Ben Mee header anymore, but I'll go for a two-one win. I think I think it will be a tight game. They're not going to roll over at home. They're under a bit of pressure, um, so I think they will come out fighting. But um, hopefully, our quality will show. And I think next is the stat of the week, Dave. What have you got for us this week? It kind of follows on uh, quite well, really, because it relates to uh, Burnley's goal scorers. Uh, we are sharing the goals around the team so far this season with six different scorers in the seven championship games to date. Uh, we've already mentioned uh, top scorer Josh Brownhill in our last preview show, uh, but Jay Rodriguez has now joined Nathan Teller on three in joint second place. Uh, Ian Matson, Samuel Bastian and Vitinho have all scored one goal each. Uh, speaking of Vitinho, who, as we know, is Brazilian and only cost a million, uh, his goal against Millwall on Tuesday was the first time that a Burnley player had scored with a header during the current campaign. Uh, in fact, it was the first headed goal in any of Burnley's games so far this season, um, as no opponent has managed it either. Uh, and as for a bonus stat this week, uh, we mentioned a Burnley away victory against West Brom on the 2nd of September 1905 among our three pre-war second-tier away wins. Uh, but the two teams also met at the Hawthorns exactly 100 years ago, a match that took place on the 2nd of September 1922. Uh, on that occasion, it was the Baggies who won 2-1. Very good. So you mentioned the goals being uh, spread about Dave, do um do you think we do need a striker before the end of the transfer window, uh, whether it's to support Gerard or or to come into the first team? Because company from the start said he wanted the goals to be shared about. Everyone was sceptical, especially after we've had uh, goal scorers in the past, like Andre Gray, Vokes in both seasons, Ings, even Patterson looking back on all of our promotion seasons. Is company right? Are we are we good with what we've got, or are we desperate? Well, yeah, I think in his heart of hearts, I think he he would like to have a, a an out and out striker who's going to score him twenty goals. 
Um, although who knows, maybe he wants two more wingers. We might get another couple of win- uh, wingers in the uh, before the transfer window shuts. Nothing would surprise us the way uh, this summer's gone. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It, at the moment, the, the the players are scoring the goal, uh, sharing the goals around pretty well. Uh, but you you could do with that striker who's going to score uh, a lot. And and you know who knows, Jay Rodriguez could be that player. He's he's scoring the goals already. Josh Brownhill's chipping in. Nathan Teller. We do have the players who are capable of doing it. And uh, if you can get, you know, you get three getting sort of 15, 16, 17 goals, that's pushing you forward. And plus the other goals coming in from elsewhere, then uh, that'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I think in, in in their heart of hearts, we would hope there would be a, maybe a, a surprise of a striker before the window closes. And just at the other end of the pitch, Charlotte, do you think we need to add to the defensive ranks before uh, the window closes? We've been linked to Kiate uh, from Mets. Doesn't look like it's happening, but um, yeah, what what do you make of uh, that end of the pitch? Uh, I think it's it's very similar. We to make what's been a great window a fantastic window. There's a lot of talk about, like you said, bringing in a striker and then possibly someone that has more experience at centre back. Thought Taylor's been a fantastic, fantastic. You know where he is doing what he is at the moment, but having just that extra voice that has more experience in that area would make it a fantastic window I don't think we're desperate for it I don't think it's something that's going to make or break our season necessarily um, but it's definitely something that we could add to it uh, just to give us even more options and I think it's the same like you said with the striker it's something that's not going to necessarily at the moment make or break a season but it's definitely a way to add to the squad that we've got um, I think if we get those, someone in those two positions it would be an absolutely fantastic window and with the way things have been going over this, this transfer window who knows what's going to happen on deadline day we have no idea who's going to come in. Um, there's been a lot of surprises along the way. There's been a few that we've been linked to that supposedly there were no reason to be linked to them. And then there's been some lads that have turned up when we hadn't heard anything about them for the for the weeks before. So it's very exciting. It's it's quite new to be excited as a Burnley fan on a deadline day. But um, I'll definitely be having the notifications on my phone anyway tomorrow. Yeah, it's been an interesting summer. You never know, we might get a couple more uh, uh, reveal videos from the admin team before... Uh, before the end of Thursday. Um, right, on to the quiz question for this week, Dave. Uh, yeah, we have another quiz question, and it is, uh, Burnley will be looking to make it three consecutive away victories on Friday night, following our away wins at Shrewsbury in the Cup and Wigan in the league last Saturday. But can you name the year and the three opposition teams when Burnley last strung together three consecutive away wins. And to clarify, that is just, uh, that excludes Brainley's, it's just for uh, league and cup games. I think I know what my guess would be. Obviously, I'm not going to reveal it right now, um, but there's one run of games that spring to mind. But anyway, uh, would you have any idea with that, Charlotte? I think I'm probably thinking along the same wavelength as you at the moment, um, just with what's happened in in the in the years and what we remember. But uh, yeah, not give, we're not going to give it away. But I think I'm definitely on the same wavelength. Oh, well, uh, we'll see next time. Oh, how can how can the viewers submit their answers, Dave? Uh, in the usual way, the best way is to send us either a, a direct message on Twitter. That's at No Never. You can email the dedicated preview show email address, which is preview show at nonearnever.net or you can uh, reply to the post on the uh, Facebook page the no never, never Facebook page 
um, and any of those methods and we'll read out the correct answers on the next preview show. Brilliant. Right. Um, there's no FPL update this week, as again, we're halfway through a game week. But um, before the, um, who have we got next? Norwich at home preview show. Um, we'll have um, a league update and be revealing our no-name ever August manager of the month. Um, so we'll look forward to that. Um, any other business, guys, or are we, um, are we good to wrap up? Anything from you, Dave? Uh, no, it's been a a, a, a a patch show this week, hasn't it? Covering two games and previewing another, we've uh, squeezed a lot in. So uh, I'll leave it at that. I won't, I won't, uh, I won't add to, uh, to to that today. Any any Vitinho song, Charlotte? I'm sure everyone saw that on uh, Twitter last night. Yeah, well, it, one show only. Sorry, unless he scores again on Friday, and then obviously it'll be be a, a two show, but. Um... No, if anyone's not seen it, I have no shame, um, as we see. I wasn't actually expecting it to be shared out of the group chat, I must say. Um, and when I did see it, I was... Uh, yeah, i got to be very careful about that. But now I know that people are going to share other people's videos. No one's safe. Um, but no, feel free to enjoy it. I have no shame. not embarrassed about it at all. Um, and yeah, I'm more than happy to be singing the songs. <laughs> Means we'll, we're winning. <laughs> we'll hold you to that if he scores again on Friday. Right, um, that's it then. We'll wrap up. Uh, thanks again to uh, Dave and Charlotte. Uh, and as always, producer Matt for knitting all this together. And for the music, George Gaskill. And finally, to you, the listeners, um, on to Friday night at the Hawthorns, up the Clarets. Until next time. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.